0: Hello. Hey. Do you think all our hellos sound alike? Like if you if we did a super cut of our hellos.
1: <laughs> oh hey hey yeah pretty much yeah I think slight variation. they We should stack them up to where it's like kind of a stutter start. So you're like Hell- <laughs> hello.
0: <laughs> yeah, just go morning radio DJ with it.
1: Yeah. Why not? That's that should be for our fiftieth episode or something. Twenty <laughs> fifth. Let's shoot lower than that. Yeah, 25th let's have episode. a low
0: bar, please. <laughs>
1: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. How are you? I'm all right. I'm enjoying my last day of summer freedom.
0: Is it your last day?
1: Yeah, tomorrow. Fuck. uh, (laughs) So tomorrow we're starting our in-service training. You know, teachers do this every year, about a week before so, maybe a little more. You have to go in and do your training for the year, and they tell you what's going to be new, give you like half a day to set up your room, and the rest is like meetings of stuff. (laughs) A while back, they announced we were going to be doing remote learning. Fuck yeah. Because of the pandemic, you know? (laughs) Reasonable. (laughs) Doing remote learning till September 8th. And then after that, families, I guess, would have a choice whether the kids were going to do in person. All remote or remote, what I call remote plus football, which is remote (laughs) plus extracurriculars. Yeah, yeah. Which can be banned and everything too. I mean, I guess I don't mean to malign, but.
0: I mean, let's be real. I mean, I don't know. Our our band program is very coercive. They totally would have made us come back for it. Oh, yeah. They would have been like, don't bother coming back if you're not going to come for this.
1: For sure. <laughs> oh, they would have. <laughs> They're probably doing that. Anyway, and so I was like, okay, well, you know, we'll probably do in-service, like, remote, and we'll probably be teaching during that remote time remotely, like, teaching from home, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. So we're not teaching from home. We're also teaching, like, we're gonna be going into the school and teaching from our classrooms remotely. What
0: is the point of that?
1: I can only imagine discipline. Like <laughs> to make sure you know, you're not
0: just chilling?
1: Yeah. I mean, or maybe public relations to be like, oh, our teachers are hard at work, you know. You know, because you have those you have those, you know, troglodytes that are out there like, I should get a teacher salary because I don't have to do this stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. You have those people. Um, and you have People who are like, well, I shouldn't have to pay taxes because those teachers aren't even working and oh stuff. My God. So maybe they're, maybe they're trying to counter those people.
0: <sighs> There's this very weird generation. And by that, I mean the generation, I guess, before us. <laughs> where, like, they think you have to be physically there to do work. It's like, you really don't. Like, it's the internet, guys.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Don't. And so tomorrow our in-service training starts. And that is in person as well. <gasps> and you could almost justify it if like okay well in person and we're going to be sitting there and we're going to be having to do these you know meetings and stuff Mm -hmm. we're going to be going to different uh different classrooms in like small groups of four or five okay and participating in our meetings via like zoom meetings.
0: what the fuck
1: so (laughs) we're coming into work to do zoom
0: (laughs) that makes no sense they're just like This is the weirdest half acidness of, like, yeah, we're using Zoom to stay safe, but also you have to come here so we can, like, get you all infected with each other.
1: Oh, we're going to wear masks and and do the, you know, the temperature screening thing beforehand. Which
0: you could be (laughs) asymptomatic, does not matter, okay.
1: Yeah, I just, there doesn't seem to be a point in that. No. (laughs) And so that's what we're doing.
0: Oh, my God. Well, my friend goes to a a music school, Mm -hmm. you know, they play a horn and this can really fuck up your lungs. So, and they're making them come back you know, they have to get a test. Um, but like their insurance is really shitty and I don't know, it's a whole fucking thing. And it's just, it's just trash. I just want to burn it all down.
1: (laughs) Man. Have we got the topic for you then Mm, today?
0: Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
1: Let's get into this then. Uh, what do you want to learn about today?
0: I want to learn about Emma Goldman.
1: Emma Goldman. We're starting our series here on women in leftism.
0: Yes. We made it a little more broad because she was more of an anarchist than a communist. So, yeah. Okay. So we we split up this homework. I covered more of her biographical info and you will be playing the role of Wikipedia, basically. <laughs> so basically what I did is I took notes of her bio and I like bolded certain things. And I was like, what's that? So I'm just going to be every now and then stopping and be like, hey, what's this? <laughs> so this
1: is a role I'm well suited to. I'm pretty much walking Wikipedia. Yes. So.
0: <laughs> okay. You ready to get into this?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Okay. So yeah, Emma Goldman. She was an anarchist, a political activist, and writer. Uh, born in 1869 and died in 1940. Um, and that brings me to my first question, which is, uh, let's remind us all what the definition of anarchism is.
1: Of course. Anarchism uh, is a philosophy where you reject um, all involuntary forms of coercion at all, any sort of hierarchy. Oftentimes people think of this as like the state, the yeah. government. You know, you hate that. True. But anarchists also hate the coercion or the hierarchy of capitalism, mm-hmm. of organized religion, of okay. uh, the patriarchy. Fuck yeah. Um, and these are kind of all themes that Emma Goldman in her writings writes about. One of the quotes that I got from her essays uh, was, resistance to tyranny is man's highest ideal. Like, this is really at the center of it is is kind of individualism, not in a sense of I get to do my thing, fuck everybody else. But in the sense of nobody should tell anyone else uh, what to do.
0: Okay.
1: Individualism, I guess, for her is supreme. She hates also rule by the majority or by the minority, which she sees as coercive
0: like. Okay. So wait, what do you, I mean? Does that like mean she doesn't like voting? I'm confused. Okay. Yeah.
1: She's opposed to voting, opposed to government, opposed to any of that. Because like when you vote, you're agreeing on something democratically, but not as a consensus necessarily. Not everybody agrees. Yeah. And you're agreeing and people who take part in that are agreeing that whatever the outcome, they're going to obey it, whether they like it or not.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's kind of where anarchism comes in is saying we shouldn't have that. People should do what they want at an individual level
0: interesting and i have a lot of questions about that because just knowing kind of what she i don't know engages in later in life like i just have questions like how would that work and like is this an example of it stuff like that we'll get to it i guess
1: okay yeah for sure
0: yeah i think anarchy gets a weird punk rap (laughs) You know, like, I, I think it's that it's one of, it gets kind of a bad rap of like, that's what shithead teens think. <laughs> you
1: know? It's like, fuck the system.
0: Yeah. Man. Yeah. And I, I would like to think it's more complicated than that. Is that, I mean, that's accurate, right? It is more complicated.
1: It is. It's way more complicated. It's not just like, I don't want to be told what to, do. I don't like rules. That's yeah. not, that's not. An- Anarchy is a principled uh, resistance to authority. Okay. Authority being, you know, coercive, something that forces you to do something you don't want to do. It does, I... I think it does have some impracticalities Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of, well, what happens when someone's an asshole and wants to do something terrible? Yeah,
0: that's what I was going to ask. What happens if I want to do murders?
1: I don't want them to do that. And I don't know if anarchism has a great solution to these things. And that's why I guess I'm not a real anarchist. Mm -hmm. I do think it's a good way to critique more centralized forms of like communism and stuff. Uh, You know, you do want to question, hey, should we be doing this sort of thing?
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm on the same boat. Where it seems like a good set, maybe of ideals or principles, the idea that like, yeah, we should have like individual freedoms and stuff like that. But I I don't know how to apply that practically. But I think it's a good metric to be like, hey, are you a fucking oppressing people in this government? You know?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think both you and I have have this tendency. Maybe it's because we are American and come from that sort of tradition of the you know individual rights or whatever anarchism kind of speaks to those values of like people should have these individual freedoms and that's, you know, but like you said, it is idealistic. It is something that we're like, we want this to happen, but then practically how do you carry that out? That's what the communist yeah. critique would be. This is all idealism. This is not really rooted in what people need to actually further a revolution.
0: Yeah. I, I think for me, that's why I want to pair it with communism because I think if you focus more on anarchism's hatred for capitalism and imperialism, that's where I'm like, fuck, yeah, I'm on board. So, yeah. yeah, I think it's it's very powerful when paired with more of a system. And, like, you see that later in her life, um, which we'll get to.
1: Yeah, okay. So that's basically what anarchism <laughs> was all about. And Emma Goldman was all about anarchism.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's learn about baby Emma Goldman. Baby Emma. She was born in Kaunas, which is... Uh, was in the Russian Empire, present-day Lithuania, to an Orthodox Jewish family. Basically, her childhood was shitty. Um, her dad was a real shithead.
1: He is an
0: <laughs> He sucks so much.
1: Abraham, right? Yeah,
0: Abraham. Motherfucking Abraham. He spent the first, like, her sibling's inheritance on a failing business. He beat the kids. He kept her out of school because he wanted her to work. So yeah, he was just a real piece of shit, basically.
1: Uh yeah, this guy's a this guy's a total asshole. At some point, um Emma Goldman is asking him to go to school and he refuses. He like throws her books in the fire and shouts at her <laughs> Girls do not have to learn much. All a Jewish daughter needs to know is how to prepare gefilte fish, cut noodles fine, and give the man plenty of children.
0: Wow. Pretty good parenting right there. Yeah.
1: What a fucker.
0: Throwing the books in the fire is like a King Triton from Little Mermaid move. (laughs) I'm going to destroy your secret grotto. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty shitty. Uh, He sucked. Yeah. So she kind of took it on herself to study And um, she ended up discovering nihilism this way. And she was particularly interested in its role in the assassination of Alexander II. And I've got questions.
1: (laughs) All right. Spit them.
0: One is what's nihilism? And two is how did that relate to the assassination of Alexander?
1: Okay. Good questions there. So nihilism um, in this case... It's, it's actually kind of a broad thing. Most people think of like existential nihilism, which is like nothing matters. Uh, life is believed to be without meaning or purpose or whatever. Emoism. That's what that's what most people think of nihilism mm-hmm. as. But nihilism has a lot of different philosophical mm, stripes. Okay. And what they're talking about here is political nihilism, which was just like a, like a Russian political movement, which was just like anarchism. It was like Russian anarchism. Oh,
0: okay. They just had a back term. then
1: they called it nihilism. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and they were very, very well known for advocating using political violence to get their goals.
0: Mm, okay, so that's that's why they assassinated him. Did, are they the ones that did that?
1: Yeah, they were the ones who assassinated Alexander II of Russia. It was an interesting story. There, he was like a kind of a liberal reformer, um, as far as czars go. I mean, he still wanted <laughs> to be a czar, you know. Yeah, but like, yeah. He was inst- instituting some democracies, some kind of like local self government, that sort of thing.
0: See the Anastasia Dad i don't know i don't think so <laughs> that's, that's how i know all my russian histories
1: <laughs> i do not think so
0: no he's not hot enough he's got these weird mutton chops that ain't him so no not, not, the, anastasia not dad. the anastasia anastasia dad was a lot hotter too
1: no but alexander the second he was like this kind of reformer but you know radicals like the anarchists and socialists and everyone else
0: they were saying this isn't
1: happening Fast enough. You're not doing enough. You're not doing enough reform. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they t- phew, shot him.
0: <laughs> Took killed care of him.
1: And then his his asshole son came into power and like reversed all those. And, to, you know, in his sympathy, I guess his dad did get killed, even though he was a liberal reformer. Yeah. So he said, whatever, I'm going to be an autocrat again. Damn. Yeah. So it kind of made things worse.
0: You hate to see it. Yeah. Okay.
1: But that's the movement she was getting involved in reading. She read the novel, What Is To Be Done? Yes. That was a very formative novel for people in the revolutionary movement for her, for Lenin. It kind of helped, I guess, grow the revolutionary movement.
0: Yeah, it looked good. I wonder if it's good in English. I don't know. Yeah,
1: it might be weird in English.
0: I'm intimidated by Russian authors. It seems like they write really long stuff. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's go on. So eventually... She emigrated to the United States in 1885. She moved over to live with a sister, and uh, she moved with another sister. And then the rest of their family joined um, after fleeing some anti-Semitism in Russia. You know, they, they kind of played around with that, so.
1: Didn't she, like, have to threaten to kill herself? Yes,
0: <laughs> yeah. She really wanted to go to New York, and her fucking shithead dad was like, no. And so she threatened to throw herself in the river if, if he wouldn't let her go, so.
1: And so they let her go, and then they moved to New York And yeah, yeah, it's insane. Ugh, truly shithead of the year
0: of, yeah. of 1885. 1885.
1: It's like people are like, nowadays, 2020, man. Back then, they were like, 1885s <laughs> kicking my ass.
0: Uh, so yeah, when she got to America, she worked as a seamstress in a factory. She would worked as a seamstress in Russia as well. And uh, she really hated the drudgery of it, and she bonded over that with a dude she met at the factory and they got married. I don't even have his name here because they divorced in like less than a year.
1: <laughs> this is great. So, um, is Jacob Kirshner. And I was also reading through, through kind of her shortened biography. And later on in the story, yes, he mentioned him again. And I'm like, who's Kirshner? I had to what scroll
0: all the way up. Like who the <laughs> fuck is this?
1: Same. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he had dropped out of the story so long. Yeah. Ago.
0: I just forgot his name entirely. Uh, So, yeah, her parents were, like, disappointed in her for getting divorced. They kicked her out. She had $5 in a sewing machine, and they were just like, bye. So, yeah. (laughs) Damn. Pretty harsh. Um, It was around that time that I have a big question, because she was very upset over the Haymarket affair. And I want to know, what is it? Why was she upset about it?
1: Uh, Well, she was upset about it for pretty good reasons. It was uh, (laughs) one of our earlier examples of a police riot. Uh it happened in May fourth, eighteen eighty six in Chicago. Okay. In a place called Haymarket Square. Like a like a public square sort of thing. Yeah. And uh since a few days before, May first, you know, May Day, workers were on a general strike in support of the eight hour workday. Cool. All right. So workers throughout Seems Chicago reasonable. they were like, Buck this, we want an eight hour workday. They were on strike. Yeah. Meanwhile, local companies were uh, trying to get around that, you had the McCormick Harvesting Machine Company, a plant yeah, yeah. that made these harvesting machines. That plant was bringing in scabs. I hate scabs to work in their, you know, in their factory while the strike was going on. They were there under the protection of 400 cops who helped them cross the picket lines because people were out there saying, you know, "fuck you, you guys are scabs," sort of thing. Uh, and at the end of the day, when they're letting these scabs out and trying to protect him from the workers who are yelling shit at them and stuff like that the cops end up opening fire on the striking workers
0: what the fuck wait do the workers do anything besides like yell
1: not no one knows really but probably not i mean not that's like jerks excuses it <laughs> no yeah i mean i'm sure you had you know people they threw saying water they <laughs> and people saying they didn't so yeah <laughs> yeah they probably tapped on them or something yeah i'm sure <laughs> Uh, so they opened fire on him, mm. killed people. Uh, and people decided to go to a rally the next day. This is May fourth, the day it happens. Okay. Uh, people go to this rally. There are speakers involved, and it's a really peaceful rally.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and then around at ten thirty at night, the cops showed up.
0: Oh, classic! This, this all sounds familiar. Yeah,
1: it's almost like this is the the playbook. Like yeah, this is you know what they try to do. They form up in a line. They march on. They march on the crowd and order everyone to disperse. And then a bomb is thrown. Oof. A passive uh, voice there because we don't know who um, who threw the bomb. Oof. It lands between the crowd and line of police. Okay. Uh, and it it you know blows up, kills one of the cops, and wounds some other people and some of the crowd as well. Uh, like to this day, we don't know who threw it. They interviewed this guy who some people had accused of throwing the bomb. Mm-hmm. And he said something like, uh, Oh here it goes. He said, if I had really thrown this bomb, then surely I would have nothing to be ashamed of. But in truth, I never once thought of it. So Damn. he was like, I don't blame whoever did it. Did it. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. Basically, no one knows who threw the bomb, and, you know, the crowd took off running. The police opened fire on the protesters, firing basically in the dark, just indiscriminately. Um, The whole time, their captain is trying to get them to stop firing because (laughs) they're firing into each other, a lot of them. Oh, wow. Uh, There's a lot of friendly fire. Good moves. An anonymous police officer told uh, the Tribune. Uh, a very large number of the police were wounded by each other's revolvers it was every man for himself and while some got away the rest emptied their revolvers mainly into each other
0: whoa good training y'all because
1: they're just shooting in the dark i mean these guys uh, ultimately seven cops end up dead 60 were wounded meanwhile on the peaceful people's side four workers were killed and 70 were estimated to have been wounded because like not everybody went to the doctor because like i got shot in a police riot is a good way to get you know arrested so Shit, really yeah i mean that's why they didn't you know seek medical attention they figured the cops would go after him
0: oh my gosh
1: so that's what happened in the immediate like events um included in this is kind of the aftermath where they put eight anarchists up on trial okay. for conspiracy to commit this bombing fuck in the trial, they cannot prove that—it's uh, it's basically a show trial. They can't prove that any of these guys threw the bomb or anything. They have no idea who threw it. They're just like, you guys were involved because you guys are anarchists.
0: What the fuck?
1: Yeah. They sentenced one guy to, to 15 years in prison. The other seven they sentenced to death. Jesus. Uh, The governor commuted two of the death sentences to life in prison, and one of the persons who was condemned to death killed himself in jail before— Going to the gallows. Oh my God. Uh, the rest of them were, the rest of the ones who were condemned to death were hanged.
0: Oh God, we still did we hanging them? Yep. I guess it's still, yeah, the 1800s. Jeez.
1: Yeah. A later governor ended up pardoning the people, you know, I guess the three of them that remained that were in jail. Mm, yeah. He pardoned them because it, w- it was bullshit. It was like they just put them on trial for there was being was There's like no therapists. evidence. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Fuck. Yeah. I'd be pissed about that too. that's That's fucked up shit okay
1: it was bad that's the haymarket affair
0: yeah okay so yeah she was pissed about that sounds like that was the right call to be pissed at that
1: yeah a lot of people
0: were yeah that seems very fucked up not surprising but very fucked up okay (laughs) yeah so next she moved to new york city and that's where she met her main man alexander berkman
1: problematic faves
0: yeah man geez a lot of a lot of problems this dude (laughs) uh but right now they were just love us and uh, fun fact, at one point, they opened an ice cream shop together.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I want, yeah, I, I want to go to that. I know. Anarchist ice cream shop. Yeah. You think they have cute, cutesy names? Oh,
0: I hope so. They have like syndicalist ripple.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> hold on. Hold on. We're, we're gonna bomb
1: gonna, brulee. Bomb.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, what else? Oh, one more, one more. Got to round it out. Nihilist nut crunch. <laughs> <laughs> not great alright we're, we're still working on this concept if anyone has any fun ice cream names for anar- anarchist, send them our way anyway she met this dude she met this other dude too Johann Most so he was a speaker he gave a lot of uh, lectures and stuff and public speeches he was an advocate for propaganda of the deed which brings me to my next uh, vocab term that I would like a definition for please
1: Propaganda of the deed uh, is political action that's supposed to inspire or spur on a revolution. Be an example for people. Okay. Oftentimes, it's a violent action, like assassinations.
0: Yeah, that seemed to be kind of the main thing.
1: Yeah it it is it you know it technically applies to whatever, but usually when people talk about propaganda of the deed, they mean killing some folks. Shit. Um, it's opponents. You know, for obvious reasons, say don't assassinate (laughs) people. It's bad. It's proponents, though, I guess, to kind of offer the other side, uh, say that basically, look, capitalist society is violent. Mm -hmm. Every law, every economic relationship, it's based on force. It is violence. So to stand by and let that happen to innocent people, let that let people suffer under that for any longer than you have to. That's a choice to commit violence in a way Hmm. by letting that violence happen. So they're saying it's not really a question of whether or not you're going to do violence, but how can you do violence in a way that is going to get rid of the whole terrible system?
0: Okay. I can kind of see that I'm too squeamish for that shit, but like, I it's kind
1: of extreme. <laughs> and I don't know if extreme. I really subscribe to that, but I guess I at least can appreciate where they're coming from. With yeah.
0: That. that that's what I would say. Well, I mean, I don't know. I'm maybe I'm a baby, but I, I subscribe more to the, you know, the, I agree. Yeah, capitalism is inherently violent, but I also don't take all the responsibility for that. (laughs) So, I don't know. Maybe I'm too nice or something, but or maybe I'm being too nice to myself.
1: It's probably a combination. I mean, you're (laughs) too nice in the sense you don't want to kill anybody. Yeah, definitely. And you're too nice to yourself in the sense of like, oh, it's not on me to end it. You know, that's how a propaganda of the deed person would say. Yeah, I
0: I think there's a middle ground between going and fucking assassinating people and going and like fucking being a monster capitalist, you
1: know? Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that for sure. You don't see me assassinating people. Come on. um, I told you to. We don't hear about it anyway.
0: Oh, sneaky. No,
1: I don't, I don't agree with it in general. Yeah. I just kind of found it interesting to see what their side of the story was.
0: I find it interesting because of shit that happens later. So stay tuned. (laughs) Okay. So this most guy, Um, he kind of took her under his wing. He trained her up in public speaking and she gave her first big speech and it was like really good. And she was, I don't know, there was a quote where she was talking about how like she felt all of her personal experiences, like kind of well up in her, you know, like her failed marriage and having to work in this factory and, you know, her like shitty childhood of poverty and just, it really inspired her to speak out on like anarchist viewpoints. Yeah. But eventually, she she kind of broke it off with with her friendship with most, Not entirely, but she left his uh, publication uh, because he was a little too controlling, and she felt like she wanted to like do her own thing.
1: Yeah, he was kind of a Sith too. He said, "Who is not with me is against me." I
0: did not catch that. I would have loved to. See. <laughs> That's great. Uh, that is if very you're Sith. Not with
1: me, then you're my, my enemy. enemy.
0: When do you do another drink drinking watch? <laughs> Without the uh, uh, listeners, we did a we did a drinking game to Star Wars Episode One,
1: and catastrophically, we added a rule that you had to drink every time there was a screen wipe transition. Oh, it was so bad! That was not a good one, I, listeners. We're all into don't bed. try that. I stomach. Yeah, cracked. that wasn't good.
0: Yeah, the <laughs> other rules I think were fine, but that one—that's—that's um, that's what did us in. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to watch that. I want to drunk watch that and the Rugrats movie with you
1: all of rugrats movie. we loved that movie for some reason that was formative
0: okay next <laughs> <laughs> so next so i remember the ice cream shop there they moved to like massachusetts for that shit right or was it pennsylvania
1: no worcester massachusetts. massachusetts
0: and uh they were all set up to do that but then the homestead plot happened so do you want to give us a rundown of what that was
1: uh yeah, homestead strikes uh <laughs> crazy. So this happens from July first through November second, eighteen ninety two. Okay, Homestead, Pennsylvania is where it happens.
0: That sounds like Whiteville, USA. <laughs> uh,
1: I don't know. It's racial it either. Probably was pretty white. It just guy.
0: sounds so like apple pie, you know. Homestead, to homestead Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania,
1: USA. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and workers there at Andrew Carnegie's Homestead Steelworks. That guy. Yeah, he was, you know, the Jeff Bezos of his day, basically.
0: He really was,
1: yeah. Uh, they were demanding wage increases. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Carnegie Steel was demanding wage cuts. Mm. Uh, and so Carnegie's own personal Darth Vader, uh, Henry Clay Frick, <laughs> he sends him in there and he's like, deal with this shit. Carnegie outwardly tried to be a nice, responsible industrialist. He tried to be philanthropic. Yeah, you
0: hear a lot about about his foundations, like Carnegie Hall. He's very into the arts.
1: Uh, and into libraries. He actually oh, yeah. gave grants to all these different, like, all the county levels and everything to, like, build a library with his money. A ton of money he gave away. And he was outwardly, like, pro-union and all this. But he sent in Henry Clay Frick and said, break their union, get them back to work
0: shit,
1: okay, and get them to work at a lower wage. So Frick goes in there, negotiate, trying to negotiate a collective bargaining agreement with them. And when it doesn't work, uh, when they won't agree to wage cuts is what that means. <laughs> then uh, on June 29th, they locked him out of the plant. Yeah. Carnegie Steel locked him out of their plant and basically said, you guys can't work. Get, get don't get paid until we get this fixed. Um the union involved was the Amalgamated Association of Iron and Steel Workers and later on they get some help from the Knights of, of Labor.
0: That's a cool name.
1: It kind of is, yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't want a t-shirt of that for sure in some like gothic font. Knights of Labor. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> uh meanwhile the company started fortifying the plant with sniper towers, Ooh. searchlights, a big barbed wire wall, and high-pressure water cannons that could spray boiling hot liquid from them.
0: Okay, this is some seed shit. Wait, who set this yeah. up? The company. The company. Not the, company, no, wait, not the union, sorry, folks. The Not
1: the union. The the, Carnegie, the, uh, basically. Carnegie Steel Company started barricading them, their plant in with all this stuff. Shit. and Meanwhile, the striking workers started... Uh, taking over the rest of the town of homestead mm. uh, setting up barricades and stuff and patrols to guard against scabs coming in and that sort of thing
0: Ooh, okay
1: because what the company was doing was trying to fortify their place up so that they could then move in scabs mm-hmm. and start working again and protect Fuck. themselves from okay. the striking workers so basically Damn. like a small scale little pitched you know yeah. siege war here, a little war yeah and sure enough, yeah, Frick tries to bring in, you know, armed thugs from the Pinkerton detective agency, tries to bring them in by riverboat. Uh, the workers fight back and actually make the Pinkertons retreat.
0: So that's like private police, right?
1: Yeah, okay. private police. And they don't make them retreat, actually. They make them surrender. The Pinkertons have to like <laughs> throw down their arms, give up and like, get paraded through the, the streets of Homestead while people are like, you know, Throwing shit at cussing them. them out and spitting at them and Fuck stuff. yeah, okay. Right? Yeah. The Pinkertons in there, you know, in this whole endeavor, they killed seven workers and injured 11 of them. Uh, Eight Pinkertons on their hand uh, were killed and 36 were injured. The governor ends up sending in the state militia surrounding the plant with more than 4000 troops uh, and then dispersing the strikers. So the plant starts running again with scab workers while the union keeps striking.
0: Do people usually pay scabs more?
1: No, usually they pay them what they were going to pay the workers. Oh, okay. uh, usually, sometimes I guess they might if they're desperate enough. Yeah, but if they they're going to try to pay them less.
0: Yeah, <sighs> this is crazy.
1: Yeah, no, this is insane. <laughs> it was incredibly violent, and uh, that's where we end up with our friend Berkman coming back into play.
0: Yeah, wait. Before we get to that, yeah. I just want to think. So this motherfucker was like the Jeff Bezos of their time, right? Very, very rich. Yeah incredibly rich mm-hmm. all you have to do is pay these guys more i mean how but, much would it cost to like fucking arm your plant with water and fucking snipers and all the shit and hire private security like wouldn't that be more expensive than paying your dudes more
1: it is short term but it's not long term long term you have to pay these people more eventually that adds up to what you paid all these you know your private army and your and your castle mm, okay you know? okay you buy that for now since you do have the money yeah, and then you save up, you save on all those wages later Mm. and not just wages, but whatever else that union can muster up. Because at the end of the day, if you crush this union, you don't have to worry about it in the future at all.
0: Yeah. And you don't have to worry about like, what if they want better healthcare What if they want better, whatever, better hours, all that shit. It's like
1: when we talked about a, when we talked about in the union episode, when we were saying about those, those terrible law firms that Mm -hmm. help you prevent unions, (laughs) that shit's expensive, but, from their point of view, it's cheaper than having Jeez. to give concessions and give people, like, a living wage and,
0: like, God. health care. It's insane. Oh, my God. Okay. Yep. So, yeah, this is where Berkman and Goldman come in, our buds. So, first off, <laughs> this is a really fun fact I learned. Goldman tried to raise funds for their little plot through prostitution.
1: Yeah, this is it's kind a of a movie situation. Great story.
0: She was— she went out to the street trying to work the street a guy like buys her a beer and just says yeah don't do this (laughs) you are no good at this yeah oh my gosh that's like really embarrassing (laughs) oh that's rough can you imagine i thought i thought she looks cute in her pictures but maybe she just didn't have the swagger i don't know
1: she's got appeal i just imagine she didn't have the type of appeal that people want in a prostitute?
0: Maybe. Cause
1: like clearly later on, she's still hooking up with dudes. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah. She has the mojo anyway. But the, the plot was the reason she was raising funds was, I don't know why she had to raise funds for this. Maybe to, to buy the gun or whatever.
1: I think to buy the gun. Oh, okay. that's how I met or to buy the gun and get him over there.
0: Mm, okay. So yeah, the plot was to, to shoot this guy, Clay Frick.
1: Yeah. Who was a dick and did, you know, I mean, he did. So there's somebody that needs to be shot. <laughs> He was on the list, let's say.
0: Yeah, that guy did suck. But again, I'm not big into assassination. But anyway, so yeah, Berkman, he shot Frick three times and stabbed him in the leg. Somehow this guy did not die. I found that out. Um, don't yeah, know how he how he managed that.
1: Man of steel over here.
0: I guess. Or maybe he's just bad at shooting.
1: No, he shot him through the neck in one of the shots. The neck? One of the, shot, one of the shots gra- grazes like his ears and okay. knocks him down. And then he goes up and shoots him in the neck. So, I mean, I don't know how he messes what that fuck
0: up. Iron Man. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, instead of you know siding with him, the workers uh, beat him up. And
1: okay, but okay.
0: Oh, these workers were scabs, right?
1: Yeah, these are the scabs. And in the company offices, these are even going to be the scab managers.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, then for sure they beat him up.
1: Yeah, the article does say, oh, you know, the workers. The
0: workers, yeah. Okay, yeah. So uh, the scabs beat him up and he was sent to prison for 22 years.
1: Oops. Yeah. Yeah, this was not a good idea on his part. (laughs) Yeah. This really undermined public support for the union. And everybody pretty much at that point supported the union and they were like, you know, in terms of what Carnegie and Frick were doing, they thought it was terrible. But this was like, whoa, now you're shooting people. Come on, don't do that.
0: Yeah, I thought this was interesting, because I mentioned this earlier, when we were talking about propaganda, of the deed, every time one of these things kind of materializes into a violent action, everyone's always really quick to be like, no, 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 actually, you no, don't. we didn't actually want that. <laughs> like, it's, it's awkward. I don't know. I get it yeah. coming from like, you know, just general leftists and communists but even like fellow anarchists and shit like every time something like this happens they'll be like no that's, that's not us
1: yeah well part of it is to avoid state repression right you don't want to be like dude
0: cool I love and the cops murder. come and haul you off yeah. yeah okay so
1: and plus you want to look respectable in case you're trying to like convince people to join you or something mm,
0: okay okay that makes sense i mean i, I don't begrudge them because i'm also not pro-murder but it's just interesting because like it's part of their philosophy and then they don't actually want to do it it's weird yeah
1: So it turns out not to be a good idea. (laughs) Seems like it. The strike fails. The union has to go. They vote to go back to work on Carnegie's terms. They take the pay cut. The, the, The union ends up dissolving shortly thereafter. Shit. Just complete ultimate failure. Yeah. Probably. Well, they might have lost without Berkman's help, but.
0: Definitely did not help.
1: Yeah. Shit. So not a good idea. Again, you know, we're generally, I think our consensus here is against propaganda of the deed <laughs> yeah I'm not for and assassination practically in this sense it also just didn't work so yeah.
0: sorry NSA you gotta get me on yeah. something else
1: not sorry you got shot for it because you suck but yeah uh, don't shoot people Please I guess
0: don't. okay <laughs> back to our girl Goldman she was suspected of involvement I mean kind of rightly so <laughs> she did try to raise money for it she did get money from it from her sister Um, but they couldn't find any evidence. Um, they, but they still convinced her landlord to evict her. That's pretty shitty.
1: What an asshole.
0: Yeah. And, um, and like we said, yeah, other anarchists kind of turned their backs on her, including her pal, most, um, they all condemned the assassination.
1: Most, most was talking about doing this, right? Like he was like, Oh, you should go do this stuff. And then,
0: Oh, for sure. He was like the main guy, just like he was, he was Mr. Propaganda of the fucking deed. And then when it comes down to it, he got squeamish.
1: He's like, no, never mind. You know, Shouldn't have done that.
0: Yeah, very weird. Asshole. Um, side note that I have here, she was fucking 23 when this happened. Wow. She's a baby.
1: 23. I was. Yeah. I hadn't assassinated, any, assassinated anyone by the age yeah, of 23. Yeah, I have not. Or helped anyone. No, no I
0: didn't yeah. try to do prostitution to help with assassination at 23. Man, I wasn't living, I guess.
1: Were they, she was precocious.
0: <laughs> so next we get to the panic of 1893. And I want to know, what was that?
1: Uh the panic of 1893, back before the great depression, we called economic depressions panics. Okay. So you have several panics of whatever the year.
0: We talked about panics kind of last episode too, how like that's kind of how markets are run.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um and this is a good example of it. Uh it's from 1893 to 1897. And it's main co- it's got several causes. I think the main one is capitalist speculation and overextension. All right. Capitalists had really put too much of their money out there, were gambling too much, basically, yeah. and it all came back to bite them. Railroads were a big perpetrator of this. Uh, railroad companies, they the way this worked is that they could get land grants from the federal government okay. along any of the railroads that they built. So they built a ton of railroads, even if they didn't really need like, <laughs> railroad to service there. And yeah, well, what you could do is take that land you were granted and sell it to people.
0: Or if there's oil on it or something, right?
1: Yeah. Sell it to companies to drill on it or whatever, or mineral, like uh, mining rights, yeah, or yeah. whatever you want. So you could make a ton of money doing that. And, you know, eventually, of course, enough of these enterprise, enough people get into that market to where a lot of them end up failing because- Turns out, it's not that profitable to build railroads to nowhere. <laughs> yeah,
0: could have told you that.
1: So they start failing in droves. Uh, their credit lines dry up. There's a financial panic about that. One of the big companies to go belly up is Philadelphia and Reading Railroad. When they go bankrupt, it's kind of like in 2008 when you had a few major investment banks and stuff yeah, like AIG. go under. I that one? Yeah, AIG, Bear Stearns, Lehman Brothers. That the Wall Street people were like, oh, them, you know.
0: I remember AIG because I used to read American Girl magazine. And so I would like get it mixed up because it's just like an age, a big A G. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> American Girl.
0: Yeah. Um, I was worried about my dolls.
1: <laughs> they had been. Yeah. American Girl was just over invested in ha- housing. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So like you had these companies going under, you know, railroads, especially. Everybody was too stre- stretch stretched too thin. Mm -hmm. Um, And investors start selling their assets and buying gold because they're trying to get to safety, basically. They think gold's safer than money and stuff, you know? Uh, Regular people try to get their money out of the banks all at once. It's called a bank run.
0: Hey, quick question. Is gold safer than money?
1: Usually not. Okay. I mean, in times of—
0: I mean, it's all made up, right?
1: Yeah. Money (laughs) is all made up, I guess. (laughs) But then again, gold is only valuable in as much as it's rare or that it can be used in electronics, it's like mm. or, you know, or jewelry or whatever. It's not that. It's, it's like any commodity, it does have a fluctuating value too. Generally though, I guess money has been safer in some ways. Okay. Uh, in usual times. Okay. But anyway, people made a run on the banks all trying to get their money out at once. Okay. This is before the days of like federal deposit insurance. So let's say everybody goes to get their money out of the bank. Well, this is when they find out that the bank lends their money out, <laughs> the and bank doesn't, doesn't actually have it. sit. The, yeah. So when the bank's out of money, they just close their doors and go home, and that's it.
0: This is like that scene in *It's a Wonderful Life*.
1: Yes, it is, and you know, people just lost all of their stuff because it was gone, and that <laughs> bank was gone, and that was it. Nowadays, if the bank, like, fails, if the bank gets hit by a meteor or, or just, you know, something else happens or it turns out they stole all the money or whatever, mm-hmm. up to a certain point, like, your money is still guaranteed by the federal government. But back then, no.
0: Was that – was it also – I mean, was, did that happen in the Great Depression too? Was it not covered? Yes. Yeah.
1: That. So that was a thing that after the Depression in the New Deal, they fixed that.
0: Okay, good. <laughs> They're like, oh, we can't do this anymore.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. So – you know, companies went belly up, people got fired in mass numbers, and uh, uh, economic depression. There it was.
0: Neat. All right. So during yeah. this depression, um, our girl Goldman began giving speeches, and she was advocating for direct action. Um, I have a little quote here uh, from a speech she gave in New York, which was, Demonstrate before the palaces of the rich. Demand work. If they do not give you work, demand bread. If they deny you both, take bread take so, it yeah i nice. loved it so yeah she kind of got in trouble that for that she got arrested for inciting to riot
1: so oh come on
0: yeah i mean you could have argued it was metaphorical bread
1: yeah i mean she didn't say do it she didn't I mean, say
0: murder your bosses and steal from their dead corpses
1: she didn't say not to but you know
0: <laughs> But i don't say not to okay anyway Oh, this is great. So this like detective that was on her case when he arrested her, he offered to drop the charges if she would rat out on other radicals and she fucking threw her water in the dude's face like she's on a fucking soap opera. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she like arranged her hand just so so she could do it and then
0: just... <laughs> Yeah. They went pop you know, like they do. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> That's awesome though. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to don't don't be a snitch, basically. Yeah. Don't talk to the cops.
0: Be like Emma.
1: Emma Goldman understood this. Listeners, you guys should too. Don't talk to the cops.
0: Yeah, you don't have to, like ever. Yeah. (laughs) Just don't. Anyway. um, Oh, I also found this out. She was interviewed by Nellie Bly, who I've actually read a book about called 80 Days. And it was about a race between two women to go around the world and beat Jules Verne's story record. And oh, yeah. she was one of the women there. Mm-hmm. She was super cool. Uh, if you want to look into another cool lady, Nellie Bly did some really groundbreaking journalism in those times. Like she checked herself into an asylum to uh, figure out uh, how their conditions were. And wow, those conditions were bad. Yeah. So, yeah, she did a lot of really cool work. And um, she interviewed Goldman and called her in the article a modern day Joan of Arc.
1: Huh, cool. That's, a, that's positive, I think.
0: Yeah. She Yeah, she had some pretty good press around then. So, yeah, so she got arrested and the judge was not digging her, um, called her a, quote, dangerous woman, which if someone calls you that, you're doing something right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She got sentenced to one year in prison. And get this, she, while in prison, decided, hey, you know, I'm already a great speaker and whatever. I'm. Super fucking smart. Might as well study medicine while I'm here. So
1: Yeah, why not?
0: <laughs> so she studied medicine in prison, and after she got up, she went to Europe to study, I don't know in which order, but study anarchism, midwifery, and massage.
1: Man, I can't, I'm not, <laughs> I can't master any of those.
0: Yeah, what a, what a wide variety of talents.
1: Got a passing familiarity with anarchism, that's all I've
0: got. Yeah, well maybe it comes in handy if you're delivering someone's baby for an anarchist and maybe they're also stressed out about the delivery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: No, like the husband's stressed out about it. So you must him and then you come back over here and mm-hmm. yeah. And they're not anarchists yet. So you have to convince them to become. Uh,
0: okay. got it. I got it. Yeah. It's a full service uh, yep. business. Anyway. Yeah. This lady's crazy. I love her. It, seriously. <laughs> while researching her, I was like, Oh, this bio just keeps going, huh? <laughs> okay. Next, we get to the McKinley assassination. Yeah, Leon Chalgos. I looked up how to pronounce it. He assassinated President McKinley, and I want to know why he did that.
1: Okay, Uh, Chalgos assassinated him because he felt a calling to do so. Okay. So, oh yeah, Chalgos was weird. Uh, He kinda had been a failure, sort of in life. He became kind of a (laughs) recluse. Uh, he started out as a kind of uh, as a worker, uh, and then lost his job. I think there was there was a labor strike, and then he ends up losing his job, and so he goes to live with his family, and they like disagree about stuff, and he's just he's kind of withdrawn. Oh,
0: he's had a tough time.
1: Yeah, it seems like he had a difficult. Yeah, I
0: read he might have had like a mental illness too.
1: Oh uh, yeah, we don't. I don't. I don't know how much they know about yeah that based on their time period. Anybody yeah. who was weird really was a candidate for that. Uh, but he ends up attending some of these, uh, anarchist speeches and he hears Emma Goldman speak. And it's funny cause he's like a weird guy. So when he does try to like make friends in <laughs> anarchist I, I, circles, yeah. he ends up getting, uh, they, one of the radical papers puts out a warning about him. Oh. They don't really know his name cause he just keeps giving him fake names. Oh my
0: God. But, um,
1: they describe him, and they're like, "This guy, we think he's you know an agent or a cop or something."
0: Jeez,
1: just because he doesn't fit in, you know, yeah. he's too weird. Yeah,
0: I read this uh-huh. that basically, yeah, he tried to be buddy buddies with Goldman and her her posse, and it didn't work. And that's yeah. just so sad.
1: Yeah, so he was he was kind of an outcast. He hears about uh, the assassination of King Umberto the First of Italy, okay. who had been shot dead by an anarchist. Uh, and he he's basically like well I've got you know they rose up and kill their king their ruler I've got to rise up and kill our king our ruler so he decides he's going to kill uh, McKinley
0: so like I don't know shit about McKinley why bother was he cool was he bad
1: well McKinley was an asshole okay he, he kind of gets glossed over sometimes
0: yeah I, in literally, American I history. know nothing about him except dude got shot that's it
1: yeah he's a one termer because because of the getting he shot survived to his next one yeah <laughs> uh he was an imperialist oh okay that's
0: not good
1: he's the president who took us to war in the spanish-american war
0: oh yeah
1: that's where we became the imperial dominators of puerto rico guam the philippines and to a lesser extent cuba uh he also annexed hawaii interesting story about hawaii Uh, in 1893, we instigated a coup there to overthrow their government and replace it. We should with, do an
0: episode on that.
1: Yeah, there's kind of a lot of material there. We should
0: adding it to the list.
1: Yeah, we we instigated a coup that replaced the government with one that wanted to be annexed by us.
0: All right, so strike two.
1: Yeah, he's he's the one who actually went you know went through with annexing it. Uh, so you know, total dick in terms of imperialism. Yeah. He was also a capitalist. Strike three. He was 100%, you know, pro-business, 100% anti-union, 100%, you know, pro-capitalist in general. Blah. Yeah. He let huge monopolies, they called them trusts back then, Mm -hmm. the big trusts. uh, He let them get even bigger and more powerful. He was very, like, laissez-faire sort of thing.
0: Oh, is this the Gilded Age?
1: Uh, He's, like, at the tail end of that, yeah. He's, like, the last president of the Gilded Age. And then when you get to Teddy Roosevelt, his vice president. Um he starts the progressive reforms.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's the buster. Yeah. Still imperialist, but <laughs> Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So this guy this guy kills McKinley.
1: And yeah, he walks up. He's got the gun like under a like a napkin, a piece of cloth or something. He goes up to shake his hand or whatever and blam blam. This is back in the day, man. Like
0: you could just walk McKinley up.
1: could go walking around without protection or anything that's insane it's after his assassination that they charge the secret service with protecting the president
0: <laughs> yeah yeah kind of some hindsight
1: there yeah they'd had three of them killed so by that point they're all right three's enough <laughs> yeah
0: come on guys we gotta get it together okay wait who's the first one i mean i know lincoln lincoln oh, i thought he was the second
1: and then james garfield is shot in 1881 maybe does he live no, he gets killed. Oh,
0: okay. I got to study that placemat. Listeners, we had a placemat of all the presidents, and they would have little asterisks if they had been assassinated or impeached. Yeah.
1: I blame it for um, my career choice. <laughs> like my, <laughs> my going into history is that placemat. Yeah. It can all be traced back to there.
0: Makes uh, sense.
1: Yeah, no, James Garfield was killed in 1881. Someone who he had promised a job to, basically, and didn't get a political appointment, uh, came up and shot him.
0: Okay shit
1: yeah
0: all right so yeah this guy kills him um mm-hmm. they end up arresting a bunch of anarchists uh emma goldman included because uh what's his name chagas claimed he was inspired after attending one of goldman's speeches mm-hmm. he kind of backtracked this later and said he denied her involvement but of course they still interrogated the shit out of her and the other um anarchists there but then she was released
1: yeah. subjecting them to the third degree
0: yeah so not a pleasant time i imagine
1: yeah, no, that's torture.
0: Yeah, yeah. I thought Third Degree was just like intense interrogation, but yeah, that apparently it's just straight up torture. Yeah. Okay. Chalgaz was executed. What's weird about it is that she kind of ends up defending him some, and like all the other anarchists were like, again, like, hey, we don't want to play that game. So she kind of got some flack for it.
1: I thought her defenses of him were kind of interesting. She says something like, uh, who can tell? Talking about Chalgaz saying... Who can tell how many times this American child has gloried in the celebration of the 4th of July uh, or on Decoration Day when he faithfully honored the nation's dead? Who knows but what he, too, was willing to fight for his country and die for her liberty until it dawned on him that those he belonged to have no country because they've been robbed of all that they have produced. Until he saw that all the liberty and independence of his youthful dreams are but a farce. Perhaps he also learned that it is nonsense to talk of equality between those who have all and those who have nothing. Hence, he rebelled. She so kind of try to make a class argument out of it.
0: Yeah. Okay. I don't know
1: if it justifies shooting somebody, but uh, I think her defenses weren't necessarily like, good. I'm glad he got <laughs> shot, but like, maybe this guy had, you know, it's his own reasons rough. to, I guess. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. More so, of an
1: explanation. I don't know of a justification, but.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but she definitely still took some heat for it.
1: Yeah. And understandably so it's kind of a problematic stance
0: for sure. Yeah. (laughs) It's (laughs) it's not my fave. All right. So she goes on, um, she continues her political activism. Uh, but then a new law comes on the scene and I want to know about it. It's called the anarchist exclusion act.
1: Uh, the anarchist exclusion act also called the immigration act of 1903.
0: I think, yeah, that's how I learned it.
1: Uh, it added, Four inadmissible classes of immigrants. Let's hear them. These types of immigrants you can't let in. Let's hear it. Anarchists. That's not good. People with epilepsy.
0: What the fuck?
1: Yeah, assholes. Who does that?
0: Yeah. That's very specific, too. Beggars. Okay, that sucks.
1: And a category entitled importers of prostitutes.
0: Okay, so not prostitutes themselves?
1: No, importers of prostitutes.
0: Okay. Okay, that'd be like sex traffickers. traffickers yeah, that, yeah, that's fine, I guess. Let the prostitutes in,
1: though. Uh, so, yeah. That was uh, the Immigration Act of 1903. They eventually Jeez. update that in 1918 uh, because they don't really deport. They, I think they deport or refuse in the middle of like, five
0: mm-hmm.
1: people under the initial law because it's so poorly defined. Yeah. So, 1918, they better define it okay. so that they can define undesirable aliens like anarchists, communists, Oof. and labor organizers.
0: Okay, that's that's pretty shitty. Um, which brings us to um, kind of her involvement, which she uh, collaborated with the Free Speech League to fight a case um, against the arrest of someone who was, uh, I guess, detained under this, which was the anarchist John Turner.
1: Oh, yeah. He's one of the few. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that they got. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they... I mean, it makes sense under yeah. I was gonna say under free speech grounds, this law makes no fucking sense.
1: But the idea was that it, since it was applying to aliens, you could do it because they're not really American citizens. Fucked up. Yep.
0: All right. Uh, so she also started a radical magazine called Mother Earth, and in it she wrote about anarchism, politics, labor issues, atheism, sexuality, and feminism. So like pretty much all my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um. Or it was around this time that her her main man Berkman got out of prison. Um. This this is where he starts becoming problematic because he he got pretty fucked up while he's in prison. Like I think he just like mentally had a lot of issues. Uh. But this does not excuse the fact that he dated a fucking fifteen year old. So that sucks.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's um. No. Don't do that.
0: Please don't. Unless you are fifteen. <laughs> anyway. So he kind of helped her run the magazine while she traveled and gave lectures. So, yeah, it was around this time that she met another dude who became her, her bud, her man friend, Reitman, Dr. Reitman. And they kind of hung out and...
1: Did you read any about Reitman? I
0: didn't. I mean, I read that he was called the Hobo Doctor, which is a cool nickname.
1: <laughs> That's what I read, too. He apparently was was previously like a unemployed person. A drifter. Yeah, yeah a drifter and a hobo. Uh, and then... Became a doctor and then went around treating the poor.
0: It's pretty cool. Yeah, um this guy was also into free love, so they tried that. She really didn't do it; it was more his thing. But whatever.
1: He just kind of wanted to. I think
0: he just wanted to fuck other people.
1: Yeah, but then she didn't.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what it says that she didn't really she didn't really dabble too much. I mean, she still liked Berkman, so I guess she kind of did. Okay, I mean, whatever floats both.
1: I guess I get that. Okay.
0: Anyway, so she kept lecturing and stuff. She also got involved with Margaret Sanger, who um, you might know as the founder of Planned Parenthood, who is another problematic fave.
1: <laughs> yeah, she had some eugenic stuff. She definitely right? did.
0: So we really got to distance ourselves from that lady. You know, yay, birth control, boo, racism.
1: Yeah, that's a good stance.
0: <laughs> it should not be controversial.
1: Nope.
0: <laughs> but yeah, no, Goldman was, was a supporter of the birth control part, at least and was even, Goldman was even arrested for giving public lessons on contraception and again for giving a lecture on it. And they sentenced her to two weeks in a prison workhouse because she refused to pay the fine so and she's like that's cool i get to hang out these people i'm sure she talked to them about birth control too (laughs) (laughs) so yeah
1: nice man that's stupid so she just couldn't tell people about birth control that
0: was yeah there was a law let me find what it's called the comstock law Uh, which prohibits the dissemination of obscene lewd or lascivious articles yeah i think that also includes like you can't mail birth control um I know Margaret yeah. Sanger got in trouble for that
1: a lot. I think all that stuff is gone now, but those Comstock laws were really stupid. Um, they were <laughs> like, I mean, they had state versions of them too. I had, I was reading about this guy because Goldman talks about him in her uh, essay collection, Anthony Comstock, mm-hmm. and what's his deal? He's apparently just an idiot. <laughs> uh, okay his wikipedia article describes him as an anti-vice activist
0: okay so a fucking square
1: a fucking square dedicated to upholding victorian morality Ugh. he you know opposed obscene literature abortion contraception gambling prostitution like he drinking anything that people liked he didn't like
0: Was he against drinking? I feel like that would
1: be in there. Well, probably. He probably was against drinking. Okay, like this is how square this guy was. (laughs) Uh, When he signed up to fight in the Civil War for the Union, at least he did that. Uh, (laughs) Low bar. It says he served without incident, but objected to the profanity used by his fellow soldiers.
0: Oh my God, what a fucking nerd. I hope he got beat up. Guys,
1: don't swear. Don't swear, guys.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I know we're like murdering people and stuff, but please don't swear. (laughs) you <laughs> like are murdering oh, racists yeah. at least but still you should be able to call them you know obscene names while you murder them
1: yeah you should be swearing a lot yeah but, uh, what an idiot anyway <laughs> that's the loser. only good thing it did in his life was fighting the Civil War yeah
0: probably. oh man what a loser yeah alright this brings us to World War One. not a good war yeah yeah one of my least favorites um, and one is one of Goldman's least favorites too because she opposed it and founded the No Conscription League of New York
1: I like that league
0: yeah I'm into it Um, There's a quote from her. We oppose conscription because we are all, uh, we are internationalists, anti-militarists, and opposed to all wars waged by capitalistic governments. I see you giving that thumbs up.
1: Yes. I am also all of these things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, who you fighting these wars for It's for people's money. Yep. What was weird about this? I guess the theme of this episode is no fake friends because a bunch of other leftists ditched Um, the Socialist Party of America. The women's peace party after war was declared. I guess they didn't care about that peace part so much.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is a this is something that uh, anarchists and that dedicated communists in multiple instances hold against uh, socialists is that when war breaks out, this happened in World War One, World War Two, whatever. The soft social democrats and democratic socialist th- those parties tend to go ahead and side with their country and say we're going to support this they used to they have some nationalist tendencies sometimes yeah
0: but yeah if you think about like fdr like definitely (laughs) like yes Mm -hmm. great great, um i'm gonna say green new deal i wish fucking new deal (laughs) but uh Mm -hmm. also big war (laughs) so
1: yeah uh so that's something they kind of hold against them i don't think social democratic parties do that as often now but that's still a critique that's there.
0: Yeah. I will admit, I'm, I am not as well-versed in foreign policy. I'm like, I don't know, but <laughs> I'm against the war. I know. Yeah. I,
1: know. I mean, hey, that's a good starting point. Yeah. I mean, be against war, be for oppressed people. You know, Yeah, that's foreign policy.
0: <laughs> All right. She, you know, naturally got in trouble for this, as she's wont to do. Um, the offices for this uh, No Conscription League, they were raided, and a bunch of like anarchist materials <laughs> were seized shocker how did that get here yeah (laughs) this isn't mine (laughs) um i love this anecdote anecdote according to the new york times during this i guess arrest or raid goldman was asked to change into more appropriate clothes and she came out wearing a royal purple ball gown (laughs) (laughs) what a queen (laughs) they asked her like excuse me can you go change clothes and then yeah she brought out a fucking gown classy (laughs) That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, she was she was charged under the Espionage Act for conspiracy to induce persons not to register. I don't super know what the Espionage Act is. Did you? Uh,
1: the Espionage Act was some bullshit.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: It was passed in 1917. It tried to prevent people from speaking out against uh, military recruitment or uh, conscription or anything. It was ruled in 1919. The Supreme Court said in Schenck versus the United States that the act get this, did not violate the freedom of speech. What the fuck? So, yeah, they said that was fine.
0: Okay. Apparently some speech is fine to restrict. Cool.
1: The most controversial sections of it were repealed in 1921. Uh, but from my understanding, they still use this shit. I'm not surprised. Yeah, this is uh, this is one of the laws that they used on Chelsea Manning for the leaks that, that she put out. They uh, charged Edward Snowden under this, reality winner under this. Uh, anybody who's basically link- leaking national security secrets or anything Fuck. or getting this out to the press, they still use the Espionage Act to go after them.
0: <sighs> okay, not a good one. So
1: yeah, it's bullshit. It should be repealed. Yeah. It's dumb.
0: Yeah, I don't like it. So talking about foreign policy, I thought she had a pretty good quote whenever she was in court over this. And it says, we say that if America has entered the war to make the world safe for democracy, she must first make democracy safe in America. Yes. How else is the world to take America seriously when democracy at home is daily being outraged, free speech suppressed, peaceable assemblies broken up by overbearing and brutal gangsters in uniform.
1: Heck yeah. When
0: free press is curtailed and every independent opinion gagged. Verily, poor as we are in democracy, how can we give up it to the world? Burn. Ooh. Yeah, burn. Yeah, she,
1: she drops the mic. Yeah. At that point. Jeez. For real, though.
0: Yeah, good fucking point, Emma. Didn't work out, though. She did get sentenced to two years of prison. <laughs> so, mm. cool speech. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but hey, uh, while she was in prison, she worked with fellow socialists Kate Richards O'Hare and Gabriella Sagata and Tolini to advocate for better prison conditions. They became known as the Trinity, which that's a pretty cool nickname.
1: Yeah. So they were like self advocating for the prison about the prison conditions there? Yeah. Oh, that's kinda cool.
0: It's cool. I like it. Yeah, I meant to that. So she eventually got out of prison and just in time to get deported.
1: Ooh. Uh, she's one of the ones that gets rounded up in the Palmer raids, right?
0: Um, I didn't read about the Palmer raids, I read about the Red Scare. Is that the same thing?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. so <laughs> It's around that time that A. Mitchell Palmer and the FBI, uh, or the, uh, the Department of Justice, rather, they do all these raids across the country on anarchists and labor activists and stuff. Uh, and I think uh, Goldman's one of the ones that's included in this. That's how she gets swept up and deported is through these, through these raids. Sure. It's part of the Red Scare. It's when that was kick, really kicking off.
0: Yeah, so they ended up using that Anarchist Exclusion Act and the expanded mm. version to deport people. Emma Goldman and Alexander Berkman were both deported. We were called two of the most dangerous anarchists in this country. So, again, pretty cool That's title. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, she refused to answer anything at her hearing uh, because she was like, I'm a fucking citizen, so like, you can't do this. And then, yeah, it turns out that because that guy, that she married for less than a year.
1: <laughs> Way back, listen, yeah. rewind and go back to that part of the story where he was still in it. Yeah.
0: Apparently he had revoked a citizenship, which meant it also revoked hers, which is like not how I thought citizenship worked.
1: Everything was just so rough and tumble back then. <laughs> they were making it up as they whatever worked for them, you know?
0: Yeah, that is pretty nuts. So, yeah, she went to Russia.
1: <laughs> she got deported on the Soviet arc is what they called
0: it. Oh, yeah, I saw that.
1: And, and the, the American press, a lot of them were happy about this. The Cleveland plane Dealer wrote, "It is hoped and expected that other vessels, larger, more commodious, carrying <laughs> similar cargoes, will follow in her wake." They were like, "Deport the bastards."
0: That's very shitty. Yeah. Um. So she got to Russia, right? Mm-hmm. Now our girl is an anarchist. Yeah. Uh, Russia. This is what nineteen, nineteen, nineteen twenty. They're straight up. they they're in the Soviet Union now. They did it.
1: Well, they're still technically in the... In the Civil War? Yeah, they're in the Civil War still. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, the Soviet, Soviet Union, okay. you know?
0: Um, so yeah, at first she was like very into this. She was like excited about the Bolsheviks and stuff. Fair. Yeah, I mean, we've all been excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as she kind of saw what they were actually going through, she became more and more dissatisfied. Some of the reasons included, I mean, the Russian Civil War. Bad time to be there, for sure.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: <laughs> not a fan. Uh there's also a lot of repression of free speech. In fact, um she overheard a party official referring to free speech as quote bourgeois superstition. So not good.
1: Yeah, as far as a, a Marxist-Leninist perspective in the situation they were in. I mean, yeah, that's what they would that's how they would see it. How uh, we're always like, well, yeah, but what about free They would say the same thing. That would be their criticism of us would be yeah, you guys are being liberal about that. Like, free speech.
0: We're too obsessed with it.
1: Is Yeah, you guys are too obsessed with it. It doesn't apply in all situations because what's more important is protecting the revolution. That's what they would say.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that free speech should still be protected. Yeah, me too. But, uh, yeah, I think also she just doesn't, she admits that she just doesn't like the state, right? She says. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah.
1: I can never in my life work within the confines of the state bolshevist or otherwise you know she's she's just not into it it. doesn't fucking matter yeah
0: (laughs) um she also sees like there's some really bad conditions for workers there's mismanagement there's corruption she and berkman actually met with lenin um who made a pretty bad impression because he uh said that there could be no free speech in a revolutionary period that was his quote so
1: so that's yeah that's would be his (laughs) defensive right he was he's saying well look uh, hey Mm -hmm. you know we got to do what we got to do and (laughs) Then we can give you some free speech. Yeah. After.
0: I mean that's that's the thing. Like on one level I kinda get it, but it's like who's gonna hold them responsible for the free speech afterwards for doing for, they shouldn't be allowed to give that, you know? That shouldn't be something you bestow on someone.
1: Well, I don't know. They would argue that they're the they are the people, so they wouldn't really be bestowing it. Mm-hmm. It would be the people saying, We're gonna have free speech now or we're not gonna have free speech you know. That's what they would say, but it you're right, you know. Are they actually gonna do that afterwards?
0: Sounds the, like the answer no.
1: was no until <laughs>
0: until never. They until never. Yeah, like they that. never did that. No, That never. sucks. And in fact, it got much worse. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. So there was a big worker strike in 1921, which Goldman and Berkman supported. Uh, didn't turn out well.
1: The Kronstadt Rebellion.
0: Yeah, yeah. You want to tell me about that?
1: Uh, so the Kronstadt Rebellion is some sailors uh, out in Kronstadt. It was kind of like an anarchist sort of uprising, a mutiny. They kind of rebelled against the Bolshevik government demanding reforms like new workers councils or Soviets, allowing more parties, more kind of democracy, less Bolsheviks being in charge of everything, and more kind of local freedoms. And it gets crushed. You know, the Bolsheviks are like, no, fuck you. Don't do that.
0: Yeah, it didn't turn out so hot. 1,000 killed, 2,000 arrested, and more executions later. So... Yep. (laughs)
1: That's Kronstadt.
0: Not a great result.
1: Not for Kronstadt.
0: Yeah, another result would be uh, that Goldman and Berkman left Russia. they were like, this ain't this ain't our game. Where did they go? They bounced around Europe a bit. They ended up in Berlin for a while. Uh, they they didn't really fit in with the leftists there. they were because they had been in Russia and seen some bad shit. They were now more you know anti Russia and the communists mm-hmm. there were like fuck you. And but you know they were too radical for liberals. So
1: don't talk shit about my fave. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. But she had done, didn't
0: she? What? Talk shit? Yeah. Yeah, she wrote a whole book about it called My Disillusionment in Russia.
1: <laughs> wow, that's not a great title.
0: So actually, the title was kind of forced on her by her publisher. She fought against it, but they were like, no, it's, this is more juicy. So she was pissed about it. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. It was originally a series of essays for the New York world, but it got collected into a book. And yeah. Okay.
1: Well, I'll give her a pass on that then. I was like, come on, man. That's, that's pretty bad. That's pretty mean. That but- is pretty okay. harsh.
0: So yeah, so it didn't make her too popular communist. And this this kind of followed her around for the rest of her life as just communists shitting on her for not being friends with Russia. Anyway, she kind of bounced around to Europe for a while, um, had some issues with like citizenship. So she ended up marrying some dude for, you know, citizenship, some Scottish anarchist, James nice. Colton. Uh, so that was cool nice Cool dude. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> she also got upset about another event, which I wanted to ask about, which is the Executions of Nicola Sacco and Bartolomeo Vanzetti. Who were they? Why did they get executed?
1: Sacco and Vanzetti. Uh, they were innocent and they were unfairly executed. Everyone is unfairly executed because executions <laughs> are bullshit. But uh, Sacco and Vanzetti, they were two Italian immigrants to the United States. They were wrongfully accused of a murder during an armed robbery uh, in Massachusetts on April 15th, 1920. They didn't do it, but they, you know, they got hauled off for it just because, you know, poor descriptions and stuff. And they were like, oh, it was an Italian guy. Or, you know, it was two Italian uh, guys. And they, they got swept up for it pretty much with com- almost complete certainty. People agree. It was not them. And, yeah, they probably didn't do Shit, it. Shit, that sucks. The jury convicted them because of anti immigrant, anti Italian, anti anarchist bigotry. That sucks. The judge in this case, a lousy motherfucker named Webster Thayer. Sounds like a nerd. He was openly and vehemently anti anarchist. Uh, he told a lawyer friend after the trial Did you see what I did to those anarchistic bastards the other day? Woof. I guess that will hold them for a while. Let them go and see now what they can get out of the Supreme Court. Woof. They bragged about, you know, rigging this trial against them.
0: What a piece of shit.
1: Yeah, he denied all their motions for a new trial. The innocent Sacco and Vanzetti's appeals to higher courts also failed. Ultimately, Judge Thayer sentenced Sacco and Vanzetti to death by the electric chair. Fuck. They were unjustly executed on August 23rd, 1927 for being Italian immigrant anarchists.
0: What the fuck? Yeah, I'd be pissed yep. about that too.
1: Yeah, on a positive note, Judge Thayer got his home blown up by a bomb five years later and had to live the last year of his life guarded around the clock by cops.
0: Oh, okay. That's good. You deserve that. I
1: guess, like, it's a positive. Nobody got killed in the bomb, so it's not- Yeah, it just destroyed his house.
0: It's fine. Yeah. He doesn't deserve a house
1: yeah so that was sacco and manzetti all right uh it was like a what they call a cause celeb you know mm. it was super popular everybody's like oh my gosh can you believe this yeah you know, it was all over the place celebrities were saying like this is crazy you know so fucked up writing songs about it woody guthrie wrote a song about it
0: really?
1: uh yeah is it a good tune it is yeah all right that's good.
0: cool um all right so yeah she was pissed about that once again rightly pissed yeah she wrote her autobiography <laughs> at this point uh, she wanted it to be available at an affordable price and was pissed when her publisher didn't do that.
1: What? The, how much was it? She wanted it
0: to be like five dollars and they charged. They made it seven for like a box set or whatever, and she's pissed about it.
1: Shit, that's almost like double though, or increased by half rather.
0: Yeah, you want to know the title?
1: Her title? Yeah, sure.
0: Living my life. Damn. Yeah, Goldman had a lot of good texts. This was not a good one. Not the most creative title for <laughs> a of biography. Not great. Anyway. <laughs> It's fine. I'm sure she had some dope shit in there for sure. She's not even fucking done. There's still more.
1: Whoa, okay, yeah.
0: Next, Spanish Civil War. She joined up with some Spanish anarchists in 1936. The. Here we go, I gotta break out my accent. Confederación Nacional de Trabajo and Federación Anarquista Iberica.
1: Nice. CNTFAI.
0: Yes. And she lived in revolutionary Catalonia for a while with them. Awesome. Tell me about all this, because I know. I mean,
1: you can give me a summary. Yeah, so Spanish Civil War, big picture, it starts with some right-wing assholes called the Nationalists uh, trying to do a coup against the government, the center-left government. Okay. Uh, on July seventeenth, nineteen thirty-six, they try to do this. They don't take over the whole country, and so civil war. Mm-hmm. The Republicans, that's what you call the government. Yeah. Uh, plus, like some various leftist supporters, like the CNT-FAI guys. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like a labor union, and other groups. And they're supported by the Soviet Union, Mexico, uh, and foreign volunteers. Cool. That's the Republican side. Kind of the good, the better guys of this side. Yeah. On the other side, you got the nationalists, various right-wing Oof. rebel groups supported by Italy, Germany, both fascists by the yeah. Portugal, uh, and foreign volunteers. Not a good
0: time to be supported by them. <laughs>
1: yeah, they were basically fascists. Yeah, sounds uh, the like it. Nationalists were. And, you know, ultimately, they end up winning the war April 1st, 1939.
0: The fascists,
1: yeah? Yeah, the fascists. Oh, shit. Yeah, the nationalists. Alongside this, there's an event going on called the Spanish Revolution. Okay. Which is more of like a social revolution. Okay. Uh, which is where you get revolutionary Catalonia from. Because uh, it, it's mainly centered there. A few other regions somewhat. But this is where the people end up taking direct control of their society and their economy. So workers committees are in control of you know workplaces farmers collectivize and run as communes you end up kind of with this democracy going on especially in catalonia This sounds dope sure it yeah it it is pretty cool <laughs> yeah it's obviously in the middle of a civil war so it's also the whole process not just that but like life is violent mm-hmm. so it's not like without its problems but it's a cool, like, social idea there. And the crazy thing about the Spanish Civil War is how many fucking acronyms there are. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned a couple of yeah, them already. Yeah,
0: the CNT and FAI.
1: Yeah, so those are kind of, they're technically separate groups, but they're they almost like within the each other and partners. Yeah, they're both uh, they're anarcho-syndicalist labor
0: union. Yeah, let's review what that is, because I kind of forgot.
1: Um. So anarcho-syndicalism... Is uh, the idea, obviously, opposition to the state. That's the anarcho party. Mm-hmm. They were in favor of worker control of the means of production, you know, like socialism. Uh, but they want to achieve it through labor unions. So they're opposed to, like, political parties or central government. Yeah. That sort of, like, political process. They see the general strike as the workers, like, best tactic to use. Mm-hmm to get power they want to replace the state with like voluntary federations of unions remember we talked about this in the when we were talking about anarcho-syndicalists that like your labor union you would vote for like yeah you know, okay representatives and you'd have like kind of a congress made up of different labor union yes people and basically they see unions as the way to do as the vehicle for our future post-capitalist society
0: okay interesting.
1: yeah so in catalonia where she was which is where Barcelona is, for example. You had the CNT, the FAI. Uh, You also had the UGT, the Union General de Trabajadores, who were kind of a socialist labor union. You also had some political parties there, too, that were influential in Catalonia. Uh, You had the POUM. Okay. I don't know if they would have said the POUM, but Maybe. You know, that's in. what it spells. The Partido Obrero de Unificación Marxista.
0: Okay. So, so the, Marxist?
1: The Workers' Party of Marxist Unification. And they were Trotskyist. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So they had split previously from the main uh, communist party to form kind of a Trotskyist. Okay. Page. Okay. Uh, and then in Catalonia, you also had the PSUC, which I've been calling the PSUC because they kind of did <laughs> uh The Partit Socialista Unificat de Catalunya. Okay. I don't know how to say that properly because it's actually Catalan rather than Yeah, Spanish, yeah. It was the local branch of the PCE, the Partido Comunista de España, the Communist Party of Spain. Yeah. These were the Marxist-Leninists. Yes. Also called the Stalinists.
0: Yeah, yeah. I read that it didn't turn out great for. for I mean, it turned out good for these folks, bad for our folks. <laughs> Yeah. Our folks being Emma's yeah, folks. Does.
1: Yep, Emma's folks. It doesn't turn out well for uh, them. Okay. Do you want to tell more about yeah, her before, there? Yeah, before
0: we get to that. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, yeah, she was hanging out with them. She edited their paper, like their bulletin. She gave lectures and interviews and was even like a representative for them, like a delegate. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And um, I, I really liked this quote because I think it kind of reconciles that notion of anarchy as just, <laughs> you know shitty or something or like too punk. Um, she has a quote, your revolution will destroy forever. The notion that anarchism stands for chaos. Yeah. And I love that. I think that's what's, what's needed for this, um, ideology. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Cause capitalists always do that. Right. Or, or mm-hmm. liberals or whatever. They're like, you don't want anarchy as just like an understood <laughs> yeah. as a given. As Everybody like that. doesn't want anarchy, right? Yeah. Cause it's just, it's crazy. People go and murder and it's like Mad Max or something. That's anarchy, right? Yeah, yeah. these people's idea.
0: Yeah. And this little, really, it sounds like a very, I mean, besides the whole war part, sounds pretty cool. Um, Society kind of disproves that.
1: Yeah, I would agree.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've mentioned this before that oftentimes when these true anarcho-communist spaces pop up, it is in the midst of a war or, you know, something, some really intense circumstances. So, yeah, I say we, we do one wouldn't be bad (laughs) anyway uh so cnt and fii um unfortunately they started to kind of join up with the communists and she was emma goldman was concerned that this was not great because she still felt pretty burned from her experience in russia um and she was like man stalin's in charge of the communists. i don't want to be friends with stalin which is like fair Mm -hmm. and eventually the communists broke up the anarchist collectives There were riots and yeah, I don't, it was kind of vague on what happened there. So do you have more info on that?
1: I do. Yeah. So in the very beginning of the, well, even before the coup and therefore the civil war, uh, the CNT FAI was part of the, they supported the popular front, um, which was like all the leftist parties teaming up to win the election in 1936. Okay. And then when they win, but they take power, Things kind of get a little crazy and then civil war. Oh, yeah. But anyway, they had, they had been kind of supportive of the government before that, but they weren't really part of it. But that's when Emma Goldman's like, hey, why did you guys join up with them? Because that's when they join mm-hmm. officially with the coalition, with the government. What happens then, though, is that the remember the Soviet Union is helping Spain at this time, too. Yeah. And um, this whole thing comes about as just another purge. From our good old buddy, Papa Stalin. Not content with doing purges in the Soviet <laughs> Union. He also had to do them here.
0: Oh, well, shit.
1: Uh, so, the Soviet Union was helping out Spain, you know, and that was cru- crucial. You know, their help was crucial to the Republicans.
0: Yes. Vaguely effort. left side.
1: Yes. Uh, in terms of weapons, supplies, military advisors, uh, the international brig- brigades which is where a lot of the volunteers came in. Mm -hmm. Um, All that was set up for set up by and run by the Soviet Union. They relied on that. And so they kind of had to keep Stalin happy. And so when he comes around saying, I'd like a purge, please.
0: Oh no. they
1: kind of have to do it. So uh, by May, 1937, Stalin was tired of having these rival communist and anarchist groups in the Republican coalition. And he wanted to control that. He wanted the communist party of Spain, which was, you know, the one that he was giving orders to. He wanted them to be the ones in charge of the Republican side completely.
0: That sucks. Okay. So he basically like blackmail them. Kind of.
1: Well, yeah, kind of, yeah. Blackmail so,
0: sword. Quid pro quo.
1: Yeah. You want to support, do this. So he had the, the peaceuck suck, the, Stalinists mm-hmm. in Catalonia. He had them team up with uh, the national government, so the Republican yeah. government and the Catalonian like official government, which at the time really wasn't doing anything because the CNTFAI ruled everything. Okay, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, governing themselves, you know. Yeah. So the state government's like, come on, we want to do something again. Uh, <laughs> they team up with her with the national government and and the, and the Stalinists to violently take control back in Oof. in Barcelona and the Catalonian region altogether. It's called the May days and it's, it's, um, from, from May 3rd to May 8th in 1937. And it's like street battles Ugh. and stuff. Okay. Lots of people die. I think it's uh, eventually around a thousand people are killed and they are able to do, they're able to su- successfully take back control for the central government and for the state government. And the communists start to repress the labor unions so the cnt and the fai and they start to repress the uh, poum the the Trotskists. Yeah. these propaganda arrests tortures and assassinations
0: yeah i read that there was like almost there was very shitty reporting on this i guess
1: uh, yeah. Like this, all this ended up really being reported to the outside was the Republicans are doing some infighting, bad stuff. You know, looks <laughs> like Franco is going to exploit this for his gain. Yeah, you know? nationalists will do better now. Oof. But they didn't really get into the whys or what was yeah. really going on. Yeah, and who's it's just behind like it. infighting. Oh, yes. Yeah. But this was, you know, this crippled the anarchists. Pretty much completely did in the Trotskyists. They were kind of purged um, from the whole thing. That sucks. And yeah, like the anarchists still kind of technically remain a part of the you know Republican side, Mm -hmm. but they're weakened and they're not as into it now because.
0: Because why would they be?
1: Yeah. Like these guys are like, no, you're doing it our way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So they don't really have a say. That sucks.
1: Yeah. And, you know, a couple of years later, the nationalists went and wiped them all up anyway. So. Well, that's a bummer. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. If you want a happy story, the Spanish Civil War is not
0: it. No, definitely not. So Goldman gets out of there. She goes back to Canada. She had been there at some point. I don't even know if I mentioned that. She moves around a lot. (laughs) So yeah, her later years, she kind of spent opposing World War II. Consistent, our girl is. Does not like war. Even though, you know, she writes that she fucking hates Hitler and Mussolini Stalin, and Franco, obviously. Good take. Good. I
1: hate them too. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, she writes, uh, "I would not support a war against them and for the democracies which in the last analysis are only fascists in disguise."
1: Oh, damn.
0: Pretty good burn. I think the point maybe of this quote is not so much like, yeah, fascists are cool, obviously. It's yeah, that yeah. W- in the process of fighting fascists, be very aware of what you're what the results are, because I think we can agree the results of World War II weren't just, Hey, we beat the Nazis. Good job. It was also, Hey, let's like continue our imperialism. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah. yeah. And for sure she was principled about it. Like you said, she did support CNTFAI, which were anarchist, you know, anarcho syndicalists you know, they were true to what her ideals were and she fully supported them in fighting fascists in Spain. Yeah. She would be in favor of supporting anarchists, opposition to german fascism italian fascism and all that just not maybe if there were like anarchist volunteers i guess from (laughs) america going to fight i guess you would be in favor of that maybe
0: yeah i think i think for me i'm choosing to interpret it more as keep your head on your on a swivel like yeah fight fascists but also check out your own side for fascists too fair enough um, all right. So now we're getting to the end of her, her story. She ends up having a stroke and, uh, seems like she's getting better, but then she has another one and she dies at age 70 in, I believe in Canada. Uh,
1: yeah. Toronto. Toronto.
0: So that's our girls, I guess, main story. But, um, di- is there anything I didn't cover? Cause this lady wrote about a lot of shit. And she spoke about a lot of shit. Is there anything you feel like we need to, to touch on?
1: so philosophically some points i guess i could uh, i'll bring up some points that i thought she made really well
0: yeah give me some quotes Because I, w-
1: I was diving into her collection of essays that she wrote that we mentioned uh anarchism and other essays mm, okay ever the title smith yeah right um,
0: she doesn't really <laughs> pay attention to that shit she's too busy she was studying medicine <laughs> and massage okay
1: and midwifery and
0: midwifery <laughs> she did not study making titles
1: So some, some points I thought that she had, that she, that she made that were really good as we, we talked in general about our anarchist philosophy and everything. Mm -hmm. And one of her critiques of like the masses, the first essay that, that I was reading about, she was very against the masses Interesting. She presented this as like contrasting to her individualism was the masses. And she said, basically the masses are dumb and they just go along with things. And I was like, come on, man. What, What the hell? Yeah. But then she kind of gave an interesting statement that I thought was kind of cleared it up for me was her point that the majority or the masses kind of give tacit approval to capitalism doing what it does by not doing anything about it. So her complaint is like all these people that are just like going along with whatever. Because, you know, oh, their life is okay or they don't know what to do. Like she, she thought that that was like, that that proved that they, you know, you shouldn't just listen to the wisdom of majorities because they seem right now, at least in her time and in ours, to be willing to go along with our current system. Okay. She's like, that's bullshit. So why would you listen to that? Okay. And I was like, that's an interesting point. I tend to think of things as like, you know, mass democracy. Yeah. Let's do yeah. things. Uh, you know, uh, numbers. What but do people want? I yeah. Guess she does have a point that most people aren't, you know, revolutionary communists or something. So hmm. why should we listen to the, to the masses? Interesting.
0: I, I mean, I guess my question then would be like, how do you get to that? Then do you just have to convince everyone one by one or just like ignore them? Cause then you get into the whole repression of free speech thing. It's, just, it's messy.
1: Yeah. I think she would be for convincing people.
0: Yeah. I mean, she did give a lot of speeches.
1: What else she, oh, yeah, she had a great quote about cops. Tell me. She was talking about the Haymarket affair here. Okay. Uh, and she said, the police are not concerned with logic or justice. What they seek is a target to mask their absolute ignorance Oof. of the cause of the psychology of a political act. Oh. Well, and it was, this was part of a larger argument she made about, uh, political violence, assassination or riots or whatever. And I thought it was kind of timely because of, you know, people complaining about rioting or whatever yeah, know, And complaining about,
0: oh. You burned a car.
1: The unrest. And, yeah, we got to send in the secret police.
0: Jesus, yeah. Throw you in an unmarked van.
1: Yeah. Well, she was saying, look, this violence and stuff, it's kind of a natural phenomenon. It's got concrete causes that are there that you can, you know. You can see and say, well, people are economically deprived, they're oppressed, they're going to react in some way. It's not that they're just that they're evil or something like this. And the police don't want to try to find what those causes are. Yeah, They want to, you know, bust heads and stuff and put people in jail because they don't know, you know, and they don't care to know and they don't want to know what actually causes the acts of violence
0: yeah there's so many parallels with with what's going on today you see so many arguments like why are we writing why are there you know why does there have to be violence in these protests and it's like man mm-hmm. you should be more mad about the initial violence that sparked these protests like come on
1: yeah and she did a good job of tying that in one of the essays uh with uh increasing militarism before world war one
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, where she was saying that look they're not building up these armies to fight each other guys they're building up these armies in this intense Military and all this to fight the enemy within, to fight the discontent of workers, to get ready to repress us.
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, if you look at the militarization of the world, yeah, the police are totally in that vein too. Like they got yeah. fucking tanks and shit for no reason.
1: Yep. Why did they? Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, she also had an essay on Puritanism Ooh. in American history, kind of tying it to like witch hunts anti-free speech laws and things and the patriarchy in general she said puritanism was you know a form of dominating women to their detriment mentally and physically and everything like it caused a lot of like expecting chastity for before marriage was a big thing that she opposed yeah um she you know said this is you know a form of control yep and it's got terrible health effects like people they they want to bang and (laughs) This is like warping them and like Yeah, no, like psychologically
0: is not healthy to repress that shit. And furthermore, Mm -hmm. in that time period it's extremely common for people to get diagnosis of hysteria, which just translated to female horniness. Horniness. Yeah. Yeah. They would just they just basically call them crazy for being horny.
1: And she said the flip side of it too, once you do get married, what are you expected to do? Flip that switch. Now you're supposed to pump out children. Yeah. Yeah. And she said that's similarly bad for your health as well. Oh, like, for sure. Know, also, especially then. I mean, how often are you? Even now, we're not great with not. deaths during childbirth compared to other countries. We're not
0: we're very bad at it, especially if you're black.
1: Yep. Uh, a, a good quote from her was: "Puritanism is the death of culture, philosophy, humor, and good fellowship. Its characteristics are dullness, <laughs> monotony, and gloom."
0: Dude, that's fucking true. I fucking hate Puritan <laughs> shit.
1: Yeah. She had a good essay on prostitution as well cool what she had to say she was she was generally like criticizing society's criticism of yeah prostitution and ways that it tries to target it saying you know hey this is a result of economic and social inferiority of women you know imposed on them by society yeah she also equated and basically said women have a choice in our society to sell themselves in prostitution or to sell themselves in
0: marriage i was gonna say the same fucking thing yep <laughs> When you're given limited options, yeah. Uh, She said it's just a different form of it. For sure.
1: And she defended it kind of as an institution throughout history. Yeah. She also raised the point of, which I think is now kind of just accepted as a critique of our society now even, but then especially for sure. Sexism in terms of raising kids is like, well, you know, boys, we tell them, you know, it's seen as like normal for them to go out, sell your oats. Mm Mm-hmm. And whereas for women, it's seen as like a disaster, you know, no, you're loose. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sort of thing.
0: Ugh, Um, yeah. She was ahead of the time there, for sure.
1: Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Oh, Um,
0: cool. I'm glad she was like pro sex work.
1: She was against women's suffrage.
0: Yeah, I noticed that. That was weird.
1: She was against suffrage in general, is why. So she, I guess
0: yeah, she wasn't into voting. So
1: right, her explanation kind of came around as like, well, it is a government, and when you agree to suffrage and you vote and you you're saying I'm going to be a part of this, I'm going to vote, you're agreeing to, from her point of view, get oppressed by those politicians that you put into power. Yeah,
0: you're entering a, like a contract, I guess.
1: Yeah. So she and she raised a good point that I think we all agree with now is uh, voting won't do it, man. Voting won't <laughs> set you free.
0: It won't. Yeah, it ain't the end all be all.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. She made the argument that there are better, more direct ways to get stuff that you want done
0: yeah. than voting. Yeah, I'm done.
1: Uh, and let's see. She was hyper against marriage. That's another thing. Cool. Like super against it. Mainly, I think, because of the way that society exists. Like we mentioned before, you know. To either sell yourself as, as a prostitute or sell yourself via marriage yeah. in those days.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm pro-marriage on a personal level, but I think as an institution, yeah. it's a problem.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. We don't really have – well, I mean, I guess there are some economic vestiges of that.
0: Yeah. So, so I think my issue is that, one, not everyone wants to get married. And so we don't provide for those people the same way we do married people in terms of financial benefits. Like there are tax okay. issues with being married. Even just having like emergency contacts, it's much harder to set someone up as like your beneficiary if you're not a spouse or related to them. Huh. Um, so okay. for people who like are asexual or just simply are not interested in marriage, like this causes a lot of problems.
1: Huh. I didn't know
0: that. Yeah, that's a thing.
1: But those are some kind of, you know, points, I guess, that she yeah. had.
0: Yeah, cool.
1: In her broader philosophy.
0: The quote corner. Yeah. Do we want to move to a different corner?
1: Let's move to a different corner.
0: It's not our game corner. I guess it's our game (laughs) corner. Yeah. We're like in, wasn't that the thing in Pokemon? The game corner. That was like their gambling den.
1: Yeah. It was called the game corner. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We're going to open the secret switch and go down to team rockets. lair. (laughs) All right. No, we're going to do something stupid. (laughs) I found a play buzz quiz. We're going to take live. Hell yeah. Not live. You know what I mean? All right. Quiz. I sent you the link. Which famous communist are you?
1: Hell yeah. The
0: sub, I guess, what is this? The, Intro copy I think is funny There's been a lot of communists over the years Some good, some bad <laughs> But which one are you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Damn playbuzz yeah. like Some communists are good All right.
0: Uh, Understatement here Alright let's start <laughs> Alright question one What are you most likely doing at 12pm on a Sunday? Working out, studying Sleeping, hanging out with friends Um I'm sleeping
1: Uh I am either sleeping is the most appropriate out of these. Yeah.
0: Okay. Question two, which would you least like to give up? Traveling. I already did that pandemic friends, (laughs) (laughs) friends.
1: I already did that pandemic.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right. Uh, books and smoking. I don't smoke. So I guess I already did that preemptively books or friends. I mean, I guess friends, I'm going to feel like an asshole if I say like, fine, I'm cool with getting rid of my friends.
1: I'm going to say that. I'm going to say books.
0: Say books. I'm going to say friends. I read a
1: ton and I count Wikipedia basically as a book. It is. So.
0: It's the internet's book. I'm going to say friends. The
1: shit that I read online is basically books. So I'm going to say books.
0: Okay. Next question. We have a little Cartman gif here. What is your best trait? I am diligent and smart. I am ambitious yeah. and charming. Mm. I respect authority. That's that's no. a no for me. I'm fun and carefree. No, too much anxiety and depression for that. Uh, I'm kind of fun and carefree. I'm
1: not, like, ditzy fun and carefree.
0: You're carefree, though. You're you're the chillest person I know.
1: And I, I'm fun. I'm not, like, <laughs> life of the party fun. But... You're
0: fun to you. <laughs> yeah. You always have fun.
1: <laughs> exactly. I'm going to say that one.
0: Um, I'm going to feel like an asshole, but I'm going to pick ambitious and charming.
1: Nice. Or do you think? I'm not diligent, though. I'm smart, but I'm not diligent. Yeah, uh, no offense. I'm I don't know carefree. if you're diligent. <laughs> I'm smart
0: and carefree. Pick whichever one.
1: A bit carefree. That's more governing. All right.
0: Okay. Oh, Aladdin gif over here. All right. You witness someone stealing a loaf of bread. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> these questions. Look at these choices. <laughs> nothing. 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 Call the police. Nothing.
1: I'm gonna say nothing.
0: You Better not say call the police.
1: I'm gonna say the first one because I was already thinking nothing before I looked at the
0: <laughs> I'll go with the second one. I had to think about it for a second. All right. How ap- important is appearance to you? A lot, a little, not at all, somewhat.
1: Interesting. Does this mean uh, our appearance or other's appearance?
0: I assumed it meant mine, but I don't know. Now I'm questioning. I'm going to say a little. I don't know, because aesthetically, I'm like an artist, man. I like things that are pretty.
1: Uh, I'm going to say. I'm going to say somewhat. I'm going to say a little.
0: Okay. I did just give myself a haircut because I couldn't stand my fuzzy head anymore. <laughs> it's bad. All right. What one thing would you change about the world? All right. Poverty and hunger. Corruption. Ooh, military aggression. Persecution in other countries. I don't know why the other had to be there, but okay. Shit. What are you going with? Man, these are good. These are all things I don't like. I think I'd go with, I think corruption. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go with corruption. They're all good.
1: I'm going with poverty and hunger. Classy. Yeah.
0: All right. You've got a week out of the office. What do you do? <laughs> the first option is get drunk. <laughs> read a lot. Work from home. Loser. Holiday. That doesn't really specify what kind of holiday. Oh, like go. I guess go away. Yeah. Um, week out of the office. I'm not going to get drunk for a whole week. That's a lot.
1: I'm going to say read a lot.
0: Um, I'm going to pretend we're not on a pandemic and say holiday. Ooh. Which
1: Greek god would you be?
0: Oh, this is good. I mean, Dionysus did know how to party. Uh, Hermes, <laughs> Athena, and Adonis. Um, what
1: does Hermes do? He's
0: the messenger guy. He's the one with a. He just
1: sends messengers.
0: He's got flying shoes. It's pretty cool. <laughs> he's also like a, kind of a trickster. He's pretty cool, actually.
1: Mm, okay. Athena, what does she do?
0: Wisdom and war. So not great. Well, not really war. Wisdom and like something else. She likes war.
1: And Adonis.
0: Um, I think he's just hot, right? I didn't think he was oh, a god. Oh, yeah.
1: People will describe people's, you know, yeah. people an Adonis, yeah. blah, blah, blah. An astonishingly handsome
0: young man. That's it? He's not even a god, is he?
1: He gets gored by a Yeah. He's boor. not even a god.
0: He just is a guy that some god wanted to fuck, which ain't a bad place to be in, except a lot of those people die. I'm going to say Dionysus. He had orgies and drank a lot of wine. <laughs> not that that's what I would do, but it sounds fun. That's all fun. he does? Yeah. he's He has yeah. a cult, or he had a cult. Maybe there's still some... <laughs> Dionysus people out there, they would like do crazy dances and shit.
1: Well, I'm gonna go with Adonis. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna lean into the himbo. (laughs) uh,
0: He was the first himbo side of him.
1: So yeah, I'll go with him.
0: Man, I don't know. Athena's like wise, and she like has an owl, but she also like doesn't. She doesn't get dev sex ever. I don't think so. I think that was her thing too. She was into virgins and being one. Uh, I'm going to say Dionysus. That sounds fun. Dionysus. How do you say his name? All right. What would you buy if you won the lottery? A motorbike? Wine? What kind of wine?
1: A new tie? A new tie? What kind of tie? These
0: are horrible options. Although, to
1: be fair, a new tie is not a bad thing. You have all that money from the lottery. You can set yourself up otherwise, you know, and then just live like frugally off of it forever. I guess
0: that's true. And a library is the last option. That's a pretty good option. I'm not really into these. I mean, I guess, okay.
1: These are not good options. They're not.
0: Practically speaking, I, I the thing I use out of these would be wine.
1: <laughs> I'm going to vote for wine because, okay, I don't want to buy a library because I would just go to the library or mm-hmm. like just buy
0: What if you get to I donate want. a library?
1: Well, I guess yeah.
0: I'm going with wine. <laughs> I I guess I'll, I'll don't. You don't I'll have to donate, a donate the library. Though.
1: No wine. That's what I already picked.
0: Yeah, you right. get a cool wine cellar. All right, what one job do you think you'd be good at? Tax collector? No. Nope. You would. Me? Oh, I guess I am the Tax czar,
1: <laughs> tax czar Yeah.
0: <laughs> I just can't do the math. I just trust that you can that you're going to send in the right amount. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to send everyone a letter that says please. <laughs> diplomat oh gosh I swear to Mitchell I don't know I think I'd be mean
1: yeah you would tell people when they said something stupid yeah and then they would be like you're mean yeah
0: it wouldn't work uh hairdresser I did just give myself a haircut and professor well I know which one you're picking
1: yeah I think I'll go professor I lean diplomat somewhat but
0: mm-hmm. um yeah I gotta go hairdresser I give myself haircuts and I enjoy doing it
1: I gonna do professor oh uh, here we go here we results. go, here we go.
0: Calculating. Oh, you look happy. (gasps) I got Karl Marx. Oh, I got Karl Marx. Oh, no. We're the same. Uh, This happens to us a lot when we take quizzes. We answered
1: differently on several things. We
0: did. All right. You are Karl Marx, the most famous and original of all communists. You literally wrote the book (laughs) on communism, in fact. What does this mean for you? You're something of a bohemian type. okay, With a revolutionary approach to things like (laughs) shaving, washing, and (laughs) tidying. (laughs) <laughs> we Oof. we nasty, uh, but who cares? You're ideologically pure, so whatever.
1: Okay. Nice. I wonder what the other options are.
0: Um, I took it blindly yesterday just to make sure that it wasn't like a prank or something, and uh, you could have gotten Vera, So,
1: oh, that would have been cool. Yeah.
0: Uh, maybe you had to answer that you were like super hot or something.
1: Yeah. Okay. Smoke cigars all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you wouldn't want to give up smoking. <laughs>
1: all right. So we are both Karl Marx.
0: Okay, good. No. We have to
1: rename this the Marx and Marx. Apparently, podcast.
0: We the Marx siblings. <laughs> okay.
1: All right. So for next time, what do you want to learn about?
0: So I want to go. I want to go. Kind of. I don't know. If silly is the right word. Kind of out there for next week.
1: Out there. Okay. Um, in what way?
0: I think we should watch a movie, and we came up with a list, and I picked RoboCop. <laughs>
1: robocop dang yeah okay i had this recommended to me my friend recommended a few different dystopian uh movies and this was one of them it's really good in terms it's surprise. it's you know an 80s sci-fi movie so it's got some of that kind of
0: that flavor budgety looking (laughs)
1: stuff and yeah but it has a really good what's the way to put it
0: maybe like anti-fascist
1: yeah, it's got some really good anti-fascist messages in it. Kind of, cool. it's, it's a critique of like kind of a police uh, Robocop, a, a police state, you know, that sort of. thing. All right, cool. So it should be interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was honestly surprised to see it on our potential movie list, so that's why I picked it. So, <laughs> so sure, why not?
1: Yeah. All right. All right.
0: Cool. I'm excited. So you can find us online. You can find us on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism and gmail is teachmecommunism at gmail.com send us listener questions um i've also recently got a couple of listener questions in our instagram fyi i don't check that one as often as i do email so if you want to make sure you're seeing maybe send an email instead but i'll, I'll i'm trying to check it more often now
1: yeah either one will do yeah. we'll we'll figure it out yeah we'll
0: get it make sure to rate and review us on apple podcasts and yeah that makes us very happy when that happens yes it does what else? Anything else? Oh yeah, we have a Patreon. We haven't talked about that in forever. <laughs> There's only like one thing on it.
1: If you love us and you just you know, you think that we don't have enough money and you want to help us out, <laughs> you can go to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash teach me
0: Yes. We're also on YouTube. If that is your preferred podcast listening method, pull us up on there. And I think that's it.
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh thank you for being for presenting such a great oh, research.
0: Thank you. Project. I got out my trifold poster. And the hot glue gun. And I worked really hard. And then I got that that wavy border trim.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that border <laughs> trim was on point. Thank you. That's, that really you know, made it pop. Yeah. And the little round letters thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good. Thank you. Presentation is important.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it better be, or I'm out of a job. Um, okay, yeah. Thanks for teach me shit.
1: Yeah, anytime. And uh, listeners, you can catch us next week on another episode of Teach Me Communism where the class struggle is always in session.
0: All right, later. Bye.